Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Jim Leipold, the executive director of NALP, the National Association for Law Placement, which is an organization focused on career counseling and planning, recruitment and retention, and the professional development of law students, lawyers, and its members. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hey, all right. Good. Jim, I'm looking forward to speaking with you today. So tell us about your background and your role at NALP. I grew up overseas. I went to an international high school. I came back to the U.S. to go to university. I was going to write the great American novel. I was an English teacher up in rural Alaska working with an indigenous community. I ended up at the University of Vermont doing an undergraduate admissions job. And that was really my first immersion in higher ed admin management work. I did that for a long time. I met my partner. He was a doctor. I decided a bachelor's degree wasn't enough. So I went to law school. I was not particularly motivated for the right reasons, but many people who go to law school aren't. Loved law school, clerked after I graduated, went back to my law school and taught legal research and writing, then backed into admissions again, became the director of admissions at Temple Law School did that for a while and was hired by the Law School Admission Council, which is where I learned for the first time how to run a nonprofit member association. I had a great boss who was a great mentor. Then fast forward 17 years ago, I got hired here at NALP to be the executive director. NALP is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. How has the organization's mission changed over the past half century? NALP came together in June of 1971 when 15 people, most of them from some select law schools, a couple of employers, and two representatives from bar associations, had a meeting at Penn, and they were just talking about, do we have common interests? Could we do something together? There were two main challenges they were facing. One was discrimination in the profession. They really believed that all students should be able to apply for all jobs. It's grown and developed into a much more sophisticated and, I think, nuanced fundamental commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. One of the primary roles NALP has played over the years is to hold up a mirror to the industry with our research and be able to show in a measured way the progress or lack thereof as law firms have tried to become more diverse. The other problem people were trying to solve was the problem of exploding offers. So law firms or judges would give students an offer and they'd say, but you have to take it right away. And law school career counselors had a fundamental belief that students should be able to choose between competing offers, have a period of time to consider their offers, interview with more than one employer before they make a decision. So that really started now down the road of its commitment to principles for a fair and ethical recruitment practice, where law schools and law firms and government agencies negotiate with each other and establish a set of fair rules that allow students to choose between competing offers. As the market has gotten more complex over the years, those principles for a fair and ethical recruitment process have evolved and changed and morphed to reflect a much more complicated legal market. In 1971, big law wasn't really a thing. The largest firms had 150 lawyers. So we've seen the industry change so much in that 50 years. NALP has had to change in many ways to reflect that change. How have you adapted your role to accommodate many of these changes during your 17-year tenure? 
I was a novice manager in the sense I'd never run an organization. And now I feel like I'm an experienced manager. I certainly often play the role of the face of the organization. So I'm often put in a position to speak publicly for the organization, to the press, at conferences. We've been twice now in my 17-year tenure through some rocky financial times with the Great Recession and then this pandemic interruption. So I really didn't have a financial skill set, and I've become super good at managing the finances and becoming financially literate in a way that has really been fun for me. So at the business end of this negotiating and renegotiating commercial leases for the office space that we have, negotiating conference hotel contracts, and then negotiating our way out of them during the pandemic. Those pseudo lawyering skills have really been fun to use in the last decade as the industry's been through two big ups and downs economically. How have law firms adapted their approach to recruiting and training during the pandemic? The legal press has been full of stories about how everything is virtual. So overnight, law firms moved to a remote posture and OCI had to move to January because schools moved immediately, in most cases, to a pass-fail grading system as they were teaching remotely for the first time. We ended up with an OCI season that was in mostly January this year, where it previously would have been in July and August of last year. It was extraordinary for an industry that has always done recruiting basically the same way for 50 years by sending lawyers to campus to do on-campus screening interviews and then inviting students back for in-person callbacks. That process was completely upended and reinvented this year. And almost everyone agrees that at least the OCI part was super successful virtually and makes lots of economic sense and timing sense and resources sense and allows firms to go to a broader range of schools. So I'm in the camp that believes OCI will probably always be virtual. And that's one of the upsides of the pandemic changes we had to make. I suspect callbacks, firms will try to return those to an in-person posture if they can, but will be comfortable, particularly if it's someone who's a considerable distance away and travel is an issue, be more comfortable doing those virtually than they have been in the past. PD is a more interesting question. Much of the training this year, just like much of the practice of law, has been done remotely. It's like the conferences we host. We miss some of the in-person stuff. On the other hand, you can do a lot more programming that reaches a lot more people when you do it virtually. So professionally, I suspect the future is a hybrid one where some of the PD training that had always been in-person will be virtual and other programs will be in person because they're more effective in that human contact and the mentorship from older lawyers for younger lawyers that takes place in person is super important. What does your data show about law school enrollment and job placement for graduates? Enrollment has been up and down. It really tanked during and after the Great Recession. The Law School Admission Council just released data showing that the application pool for this year is up more than 20% for the class that will start in the fall of 2021. The class that graduated in 2013, which had the worst employment outcomes in the modern history, was the largest class ever. 
in American legal education. They were more than 52,000 when they graduated. The classes that have come through recently, the last six years have been right around 37,000 when they started and about 34,000 when they graduate. So that's a big dip, but it was the market at work and it was supply and demand. And it really the improving job picture over the last seven years has showed that American legal education, in fact, right sized. Graduating a class of about 34,000 nationally matches the job market demand much better, at least it did prior to this pandemic slowdown. I will say just because applications are up 20% doesn't mean law school enrollment is going to jump 20%. I suspect law school enrollment will jump a bit, but schools are mindful that if they enroll too many students, their job numbers get difficult and then they face a difficult situation with their U.S. news ratios. It's a little premature to speak decisively about the impact of the pandemic on the job market. The schools just turned in their data in April. And in fact, today, the ABA has released its preliminary numbers. Our analysis of the jobs for the class of 20 will be out early summer. But it's super clear from looking at the data that there hasn't really been a big downside to the pandemic in terms of jobs. And we certainly know from the law firm year-end financial data, the MLaw 100 comes out next week, but they've released all the data in bits and pieces. And a bunch of law firms made an extraordinary amount of money this year. Profits per partner were up double digits at many of the MLaw 100 firms. Law firms saved a lot of money by moving to that remote posture. And while demand was off a little bit, the savings were so much greater that it was profitable. They've continued to hire incoming classes of new associates. The mid-level lateral associate market is fierce right now, super competitive. There aren't really enough bodies to go around. Most people who watch the industry expect as the economy grows in the next 18 months following the pandemic, that there's pent up demand for deal work. And on the corporate side, things are going to be very busy. So firms have been in an aggressive hiring posture and it has translated into a pretty healthy job market for graduates. I think we'll see that the classes of 20, 21 and 22 do very well in the job market. The class of 19 will stand as a high watermark for a while, but I don't think we're going to see nearly the devastation to the job market that we saw following the Great Recession. What are law schools doing to help students thrive in a tech-enabled profession? Some schools are doing extraordinary things and some schools not nearly enough. I have been a believer that the intersection of law and technology is really the future. Students who can position themselves to be at that intersection will be really in a sweet spot. One of the hallmarks of the future job market for law school graduates is they're gonna have many more kinds of employers to choose from when they look for initial jobs. Law firms will be one option that remains, but that ability to work for a legal technology company or what we used to affectionately call alternative legal services providers the schools that have seen that trend and jumped on it and integrated all kinds of technology training in their law school curriculum are doing a great job of preparing their students for the future. What are the challenges for the next generation of lawyers and how do they overcome them? They face the challenges that law students have faced for a long time. One of the main ones is a legal education is super expensive. So balancing the debt Finding a way to law school by borrowing as little as possible, which often means not necessarily going to the very best school you get into, but a really good school that's willing to give you a lot of money or discount your tuition a great deal so you minimize your debt is still the most important consideration for law students. 
it's so expensive that I don't think it's for people who maybe I'll go to law school, maybe I won't, maybe I'll go to business school. To make that kind of investment in this day and age, you really have to be an informed consumer and committed to a legal career. It's a great career and it's a great graduate education, but it's not for everyone. Historically, we've had a lot of folks end up in law school who were like, oh, this isn't really what I thought it would be. I don't think I like it. It's just a very expensive experiment if you don't know for sure what you want to do. Students shouldn't expect that they'll get a job after graduation and then always be in that job. American lawyers used to join a law firm and stay there from associate through partnership and retire there. And law school graduates today are going to work at five, six, seven, eight different organizations over the long arc of their careers. They have to be more entrepreneurial than some of their predecessors and create opportunities for themselves, be willing to take contract gigs, move between law firms and corporations and back to law firms if that's an interest. Finally, they have to help us tackle the access to justice gap. This new generation of lawyers is really well positioned to help the profession realize the benefits and promises of technology. We're great at delivering high-end legal services to corporations. We're really terrible as a country at delivering affordable legal services, even to middle-class people who work, but for people who are low-income or have no income, most folks in our country don't have access to the legal services they need. Because of the cost of a legal education, a system where their individual lawyers are doing bespoke work for individual clients is never going to solve our access to justice gap. But technology can help us get there. The folks going to law school now are in a great position to help our country tackle that problem in a meaningful way. NALP's 2021 annual conference is taking place in the last week of April. What can attendees expect? It's our first full-blown virtual conference. There's more than 70 concurrent sessions and people who register for the conference will have access to all of that content for 30 days. So it will be available in real time during the week of the conference, but because our virtual lives are so busy, we will also make all of those programs available for 30 days. We have a really brilliant keynote speaker, Haben Gurma, who's a Harvard law grad and was the first deaf-blind graduate from Harvard to practice law. We're really looking forward to our time with her. We will have our 50th anniversary celebration. We have a really wonderful virtual party planned. We have late night trivia events. We have networking events. We have everything except steam tray buffets, and we're really excited about it. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Jim Leipold, the executive director of NALP, the National Association for Law Placement, whose 2021 annual conference is taking place the last week of April. Jim, it's been a privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.